Hello, I'm Eamon. I'm Conrad. And we are Mega City City Film Film Club. Club. We're back. Uh, First one of this year, 2023. Big year for comic book movies we worked out. Yeah, there's definitely a bunch bunch coming out. Very happy to be starting our... At the start of the slate here, for sure. So we've got two films that we've been to see. One was a few weeks ago and one was yesterday. Um, I'm going to say spoilers, 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 particularly for the Ant-Man movie, which has been out for a while, mm-hmm. where we are going to spoil possibly a couple of the um, cameo appearances. And I'm certainly going to ask you a question about the ending of the film. Sure, absolutely. Um Shazam, we'll get to in a minute, came out, you know, we only saw it yesterday, so we probably won't be quite so spoilerific on that one. Yeah. Okay. Let us start then with And the Wasp, Quantumania! Written by Jeff Loveness, directed by Peyton Reed, the third Ant-Man movie, um, with obviously Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly playing the Wasp and then a, a sort of all-star celebrity cast around yeah. them. Yeah. The third, well, we both rewatched the first two Ant Man movies. I saw them after we saw this, and you already watched them in advance mm-hmm. in preparation. Um, compared to that, those the first two. What did you make of this third one? I mean, I was really disappointed by this movie, actually. If just because for me, like one of the promises of the Marvel movie, these this Marvel cinematic universe we've got, I, we find ourselves in. <laughs> Is that you've got these, you know, they've got all these different characters, and they're at, and, and they've got different powers, they've got different power levels, and you can use those to tell different kinds of stories. And for me, Ant Man is very much this more like down to earth, like I, I guess caper stories, like you know, we're sort of the, the characters are thieves and they're stealing something, yeah, and. It often involves an elaborate scheme or, you know, a big plan and stuff like that. And that's not really what this movie had. It was much less, like, I, I think it shares much less, D, much less, like, movie DNA with the previous Ant-Mans than it does with, like, Thor Ragnarok or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Yeah, because we both noted that the first two were sort of comedy heists mm-hmm. and that this particular corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Ant-Man was that, comedy yeah. heist. And even though he does get set a sort of task of retrieving something in the quantum zone, it wasn't quite the same, was it? No. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think everybody knows this by now, but the villain of this uh, film is Kang, and this is building up to be... Sort of this larger... Yeah, just creating a new sort of big big, big bad, I guess, for yeah. these upcoming Marvel movies, I think. And uh, is he Jonathan Majors? Jonathan Majors. I thought he was amazing. Yeah. I really, like... For me, I would say the high point of this movie generally are... Um, he has a couple scenes with Michelle Pfeiffer in in like flashbacks and things like that. That's just sort of the the two of them talking and sort of I don't know learning about each other and sort of you know whatever. But I thought those were really amazing, and I really liked uh, Jonathan Majors in the movie throughout. Just he plays this really cool like 
regal villain kind of thing that I thought was really neat. Yeah, I mean, he is magnetic on screen as Kang. He's very, very watchable. He was when he appeared in the the last episode of the Loki TV series, and then here he is. Um, interestingly, we before we'd seen that film, we saw a trailer for Creed Three, in which he's mm-hmm. the bad guy. Yeah, and at the end of um, this film, the Ant Man film, you know, Paul Rudd gets into a fist fight with Jonathan Majors, and. Then we- <laughs> We were saying if he'd watched the trailer, he wouldn't be going into. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> yes, this guy. He's been trained from. He's been trained in other universes. <laughs> um, special effects. This film is like uh, a huge visual feast, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. only about half a dozen scenes were actually set in a real world location. Most of it is going to be filmed on. Yeah, I mean, it's all just in the, you know, like the title suggests, I guess. The movie's very, very quick to, you know, you get like maybe 10 minutes of, you know, real world San Francisco or whatever. And then we're sort of in this quantum realm that was sort of a side part of the second Ant-Man movie. And now it's sort of, you know, it it becomes, it's like guardians of the galaxy it becomes that that's what i'm saying when it's, it's like guardians of the galaxy or like the ragnarok it's sort of like you know we're now we're in this new completely new place with completely new you know structures of power full of wacky aliens and new cultures and things like that yeah all very colorful all big special effects uh and you know all in Thai artificially created sort of realm and as you say lots of weird creatures and new characters and mm-hmm. And everything, and you mentioned Michelle Pfeiffer. Obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer who come back from the quantum realm in the second film, and has kept fairly quiet about it. It would seem about some of the stuff that went on. <laughs> it was very. It's very much. Yeah, we talk about just how a big central or a central plot thing in the movie is just sort of as time goes by, you're, we're learning more and more about her secret backstory and her like twenty years or whatever in the quantum realm. Which is, you know, popular again, populated with weird aliens and political intrigue and all this other stuff. But very much, but like you know, Michelle, like it's been like what five or six years, or between Ant Man and the Wasp, not even counting like the five years of time in you know that that takes place in Avengers Endgame with the blip or whatever. Like it's been a long time to be cagey about the quantum realm. <laughs> She's been keeping a lot uh, close to her chest, it would seem, about what what went on in her 30 years in the quantum realm or whatever it was. Yeah. Okay, so um, the special effects are huge. There's a bunch of creatures on screen. All that stuff works really well. There's a couple of cameos that we're going to mention. One is uh, that during her 30 years in the quantum realm, Michelle Fife apparently had some sort of relationship with Bill Murray, it turns out. Mm-hmm. Sort of a, a Han Solo, who, who plays this sort of like, maybe might have once been like a Han Solo, like dashing rebel, but it's now become part of the regime and stuff like that. And then there's another one, which I want to ask you about the special effects on, because... And you spotted the... I noticed you reacted in the cinema. You spotted the acronym being described before the MODOK character appeared on see, screen. This is like, I, see, you keep saying that the special effects are great, and I keep wanting to push back on you because <laughs> I hated MODOK so much. Uh, Corey Stoll... You know, again, like sort of the Corey Stoll character from the first Ant-Man movie coming back again. Big spoilers, but... You know, like... 
bad. It doesn't look good. I don't know. I wondered if maybe we saw the uh, the 2D version. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe 3D helps it, I guess. I Because I felt like, you know, oh, sorry, MODOK, long-term Marvel character, mechanized organism designed only for killing. <laughs> the O and only is part of the acronym, but the yeah. F is not, as they mentioned in the movie. Don't worry, don't think about it too much. Yeah. But he's a big head. It's like like big like big like uh you know, just to, to go to British invaders, um a face of bow from Doctor Who size yeah. head with little baby arms and legs off the side, and then a thousand guns and stuff like that. I feel like the head special, like the head special effect for it, really took me out of it. It looked like to me, it looked flat. Like it was like his face stretched out on like a, a screen or something. It just like when I was watching the movie, as soon as we saw the mo, like what Modok like looked like beneath the mask and stuff, I was like, I was way thumbs down on this movie. <laughs> And it was only um, then Jonathan Majors and, and Michelle Pfeiffer doing stuff that, like, brought it up to, like, mid-level or something. I thought it looked like something that you might be able to do on your iPhone with, a, like, you know, a stretchy filter on Instagram Absolute, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It did look very weird. Corey Stoll's face sort of mapped onto this special effect. Um, and it looked stretched and flat and weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like, I mean, you know, I guess the, the counterpoint, and I feel like I was, this is me trying to convince myself I almost with that. The problem with MODOK is that just that it's a thing in the comics that in the comics, it's kind of weird and lame, but yeah. like, I don't know how you could do it in a live action set in the live action setting and not be like, ooh, I don't know about this. <laughs> um, okay, so Modoc sadly didn't work for either of us, although there was a few laughs to be had with Corey Stoll's lines, I think, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they, again, like, I think they, again, they kind of knew that yeah. Modoc is kind of lame or that yeah. there's sort of like... And, and no, no matter what you do to build it up, it's still like this giant head that's flying around. And yeah. so they sort of embraced that a little bit I th- or, 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 or lampshaded it, I guess might be the official term. of just like, we know or something like that. Yes. And Paul Rudd does uh, ask him about the F in the acronym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, I mean, the Ant-Man movies, they skew towards the comic uh, variety of the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great, you know, that they've been able to do the comedy heist things. But again, we both noted there was a certain lack in this film and that we missed the, I think they're called the ex-con uh, security team from the mm-hmm. first two films. Yeah. I've got their names here somewhere. Was it Michael Pena, David Dasmalchian and TJ Harris? And the, one of the bits where Michael Pena's character would describe the action those sort of monologues he would do. Yeah, he'd like tell, yeah, tell the backstory, do things real fast. Like there'd be a lot of like him paraphrasing what people are saying and going back and forth with things and stuff like that. And then you'd have all the actors recreating the scenes and sort of lip syncing to his, yeah. his, his speech pattern. And those are some of the, I feel like those are some of the best parts of those first Ant-Man movies. They're definitely like something that's unusual, for, that is sort of unique to that series and that are very funny. 
and that are very just like, yeah, like this is like kind of something that is like on the checklist of like, you know, we're doing one of these movies, so we should, you know, this is something that should be included with it. Yeah. And uh, having, you know, having them turn up at the start to sort of recap everything and tell us where we were, I, I really, I wanted that, you know. Yeah. I missed them. I would, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, so those characters don't appear in this movie at all, and they there's not even, like, someone else telling, like, telling a story in that way as sort of a nod to it or anything like that. It's just completely, like taken out of it and it feels like you know it just it feels like I don't know like the, it, not being aware of why people like these movies I guess okay so um, we're both slightly on the sort of neutral to negative about this film it wasn't it wasn't great it had its moments um, that were fun Kang is the villain mm. spoilers 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 we're setting up what's they're sort of calling the Kang Dynasty phase now, mm-hmm. where he's going to be the big bad for the new Avengers team, I guess. I think so, yeah. And and just general multiverse stuff as well. Multiverse that's stuff. Been, that's certainly been a big touchstone in all of the recent, in, in most of the recent Marvel movies. I mean, certainly Spider Man, certain you know, No Way Home. And Spider-Verse, I guess. Um, certainly Doctor Strange as well. Yeah. So the, all the multiverse, there's multiple versions of Kang. And like I say, here I am going to spoil the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Did they kill the good Kang in this movie? <laughs> well, I love the... Um, I think we both talked about really liking that sort of... The, there's the final part. Like, like the final like line of the, of, the, of the main movie, I guess. Which is like Paul Rudd kind of being like... Well, yeah, we, we beat him, so that's good, right? But wait. No, it's fine. But wait. <laughs> Which I think is really interesting that you kind of think of, you know, the, the plot is that sort of the, the Kang we meet in this movie has been exiled to the micro, to the quantum verse by all the other Kangs. And the, the movie actually ends with this big, you know, meeting of all of them and their different costumes and things like, you know, implied backstories and stuff. And it's like, ooh, this doesn't seem, you know. The one they were worried about might have actually been interesting. Yes. <laughs> might have been something to hold on to. Yeah. The one, he might have been the one who was able to stop all the other yeah. Kangs, it seems. I and mean, I think that's a that's a fun way to end the movie and just good, like, the literal, like, fridge thought that people have. Like, sort of, you know, after you watch a movie, then you go to the fridge and you're thinking about, like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> or shower thought, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell because, listen, it's not like... The Kang in the Quantum Verse wasn't a like dictatorial madman, right? <laughs> like he still was. He was, yeah. I, I just don't know if there's any. It's up to you know if there's a, if there is a one good Kang or whatever. However, as we say, Jonathan Majors as Kang is 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 very charismatic on screen. I thought it was fantastic. Commanding really, presence. Yeah, I really like uh, you know. Literally, I feel like it. The movie was supposed to sell me on a future Avengers movie, but it, it more actually sold me on like Creed Three. <laughs> it was just like, well, I was he more of this actor? 
And as much as Modoc, uh, the visual effect didn't work for us, when they took Modoc, um, sorry, when they took Kang's costume from the comic books mm. and transformed it into an actual costume, and they used this, his, they gave him facial scars instead of those weird lines that he has on his face. Yeah, and then sort of an explanation of like why he's got a purple face or whatever. Yeah, like sort of as the energy shields for the suit that he has. Exactly, and I thought that worked really well. I thought that was a very effective way of delivering a slightly silly comic book costume mm-hmm. um so yeah okay so ant-man and the wasp quantumania we're sort of like Mwah. i feel like yeah this is one where i'm sort of medium to negative on i kind of got to the end and i was like i don't know i really wanted to like this one i really loved the previous ant-man like i really like paul rudd he's great but this one just didn't have some of the same things that i really enjoyed about the previous ones i guess right Okay, so that, there it was. I, I I thought it was very noisy and colourful and bright and there was lots of stuff going on on sort of 3D volume filming with special effects, but I was a bit like, you know, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I really miss Michael Pena turning up to, to give us the plot. That Absolutely, was the idea. yeah. Which I, I noted in the movies yesterday, we saw a Nando's commercial, which has stolen that gimmick, hasn't it? Right, well, it's just, you know, and there's, it's not like there's not plot that they're explaining that they could have done it in, yeah. you know? Like, you could have, you could have had, like, uh, like uh, you know, Catherine Newton as Cassie, like, you know, explain what's been going on with her when she reunites with Paul Rudd or something like that, you know? These are things that could possibly be happening, you know? So that was about, what, six weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we went off to the movies again, and this time we saw... Shazam! Fury of the Gods! Uh, written by Henry Gaden, Chris Morgan, directed by David F. Sandberg, who also directed the first one, which I think Henry Gaden wrote the first one as well. Uh, Zachary Levy plays Shazam. Uh, again, an all-star cast, particularly with Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, turning up as bad guys in mm-hmm. this one. Um... Uh, we did our usual thing, which is quite fun. I'm going to the movies and then going to a curry house afterwards. And, you know. It's an exciting time. Yeah. yeah. Now, so I, you sent me some homework. I, I watched the first Shazam film yesterday morning before. Yeah. Because I hadn't actually watched the entire first one. Mm-hmm. Um, set the scene for us. This, the second Shazam film, where do we find Billy Bats and what's up in this one? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I liked the first Shazam movie. I thought it was a fun, like... Definitely very sort of light, comedic, you know. It was light, it was funny, it was about family, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and a, uh, I felt, like, honestly, a little bit of, yeah, just very an interesting alternative to the rest of the DC comic movies, which can often be a little bit more grim and dark and stuff. And so Shazam 2 is like, I guess it's two years later, maybe? Yeah. Um, you know, and Shazam 1 ends with, um, Billy Bat or Billy Batson's in a is an orphan kid in a group home, and it kind of ends with all of the uh, or in a foster home, I guess, and it ends with all the other kids in the foster home and him getting the Shazam, you know, Captain Marvel powers. They all kind of be, you know can say Shazam and become grown up buff versions of themselves with capes and superpowers and stuff. And so now they are the superheroes of the city of Philadelphia in America. And they aren't very, they aren't super being superheroes, which I thought was, was kind of funny. They call them the, like the team, a, a reoccurring thing is that they don't actually have a superhero name. So mm. the te- like they sort of are informally called the Philly fiascos or something like that. 
Yeah, um, it is. This is this is towards the sort of the colourful and funny end of DC's absolutely cinematic. I would say universe. they defined that side yeah. of it for yeah. sure. And the gag from the first film, which is a great gag for movies in general, you know, obviously Tom Hanks in Big, but the gag of having an adult actor who supposedly is a child yeah. trapped in this adult body that that is. That's always good mileage for jokes, isn't it? You know, absolutely. Although I, you know, I, I mentioned this um, when, when we were talking about it earlier, but I think it's kind of interesting just because I feel like Zachary Le- Levy is like he plays a kid in the bo- in his big adult body, but I don't know if he plays the kid of Billy Batson in the movie. <laughs> just because the 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 kid version just doesn't do all these voices and act out. And things like that—that that he does when he is superpowered. It's an interesting sort of dichotomy of the of the present of like how you play the character, I guess. Yeah, and I noted—I've forgotten the name of the actor who plays Billy Batson, but I noted that they've got a slight, almost like a reverse Daniel Ratcliffe problem in that the actor who plays Billy Batson will soon be taller and better built than Zachary Levy because he he is rocketing up, isn't he? Well, that was the... I, I told you that this movie activated my, like, my uncle genes. Right. Because it was very much like... You know, I had... While I, I, I saw the movie in the theatre when it came out, I, I re-watched it, um, like, earlier that day as well. And I really had just a lot of these moments of like you see the see all the kids from the first movie, and you know it's been it's been two years in the universe, but it's been like five years since that movie came out, and I'm very much like, oh my god, like you got so big, <laughs> look how look how much this kid's you were this tall the last time I saw you, now you're huge, you know, which I thought was it, it was fun for me at the start, literally, of just being like you know pinching cheeks and being like, oh man. Yeah, I mean it's great that they've all kept the same kids, but they've all they've all shot up. Yeah, no, everybody's everybody's at least a foot taller since they were in the first movie. It's ridiculous. And then so we've got this um, uh, Fury of the Gods plotline that you know Shazam did something in the first movie that's unlocked something, another realm, and there's some bad guys who've turned up and they want the staff and there's yeah just sort of some. Mythical rigmarole, city gets cursed, a dragon's involved, all these sorts of things. And it's nice that it's a Philadelphia set one, although I noted from the end credits that we sat through for the uh, extra scenes that the it's filmed possibly in Quebec, I think. Uh, yeah, Tor- I mean, Toronto, once again, filling in for most mid-Atlantic right. American cities. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's nice to have a Philadelphia set um, of superheroes, even if they do get called the fiasco, as you say, the Philly fiasco, and they don't come up with their superhero names until the end. Mm. Um there's an awful lot, and again, it's a bit like Black Adam, which we'll get to, I guess, but it's a lot of, of big things hitting other big things, a lot of property damage. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's that sort of superhero movie. Definitely, yeah, like definitely, I mean, I feel like in that sort of, D, the DC movies generally, it was, you know, not, the only thing better than just one super dude punching another super dude is if you punch a super dude and then the they go flying like all the way through a skyscraper. Yes, basically. Yes, which happens, happens quite a, a lot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> happens quite a lot. A lot of property damage in Philadelphia as a result of this movie. Uh, there's a dragon, mm. you know, a wooden dragon, yes. which is you know cool. Uh, although, as Shazam points out, it seems somewhat of a design flaw. But you know. <laughs> 
like the Dracula design. I thought it was fun. It was like very knobbly and stuff like that. And it lets him make a good Khaleesi joke at one point. Absolutely. That, that's good. Um, it did just seem to be a lot of, a bit like the Black Adam movie. They were just like, you know, CGI's hitting other CGI's and mm. a lot of property damage. Yeah. And them not figuring out that the property damage stuff didn't seem to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys, figure it out. I guess so, although, I don't know. There's always a always a special place in my heart just for people throwing cars at each other or something right. like that. You know, that's my that's my inner five-year-old, I guess. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, Zachary Levy is funny. I have to say that. But it is interesting that he doesn't appear to be playing the same Billy Batson that Billy Batson is. Yeah, and just, like, because his, you know... His in in Shazam form, yeah, he's just got a lot, does a lot of voices, and it's very sort of very like ridiculously overconfident and silly, and like makes jokes, you know, wise cracks a lot and stuff, which is just not how kid version of him acts in the least, you know. Yeah. So, how do you feel about this film compared to Ant Man? Did you enjoy this one more? I think I like this one more. I guess if just because it was very much sort of serving up the same thing that the first movie was, which I also kind of, which I also pretty much enjoyed. It's just kind of like, you know, it doesn't have any ambitions, really. It's just sort of some dumb superhero fun. If you kind of like superheroes doing stuff. And yeah, and, and CGI, you know, and the computers fighting themselves as the CGI battles take place and things like that. And I think that, you know, that's all fine mm. you know it's it's a like if you're in if you want to just watch a superhero movie it's definitely doing what it set what it sets out to do i think mm. i i suppose i do like the fact that um as you said this this is a film in a way about family literally mm-hmm. the marvel family from the captain marvel comics but mm-hmm. about family and in the first film um, one of the surprising things in the first film is of course that billy batson is looking for his his actual birth mother mm-hmm finds her and she rejects him mm. and so the foster home family they're lovely i really love them the kids mm. and everything are great aren't they yeah i and i think that you know that sort of i'd say that 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 sort of like found family like concept i think is a really strong part of the first movie especially yeah and that's and, and, and they're sort of trading off that a little bit in this in the second one but just yeah just the idea of like you know these connections are where you find them and, you know, you can, you know, sometimes people who are supposed to, to care for you, you know, don't, but you can still find people who do and things like that. I think that's a really important lesson mm. generally. And as I think it makes it us and it's something that, listen, I'm a sucker for in all this stuff. That's why I like the Fast and Furious movies as well, you know, whatever, <laughs> which gets, gets referenced in. In Shazam as well. Yeah. But it's sort of, you know, it's it's a fun message and just sort of the, like, you know, these kids being friends is a nice, is a nice part of the movie, I think. Um, obviously, it does exist in the DC Cinematic Universe. Both Superman and Batman are referenced. There are action figures of them. Mm-hmm. Um, another superhero from the DC Universe turns up in a mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, slightly unexpected cameo towards the end of the film. Um, you and I tried to, you know, eating curry last night and suffering from some curry sweats. We're trying to figure out which Batman that exists in this universe. Mm. But it's, <laughs> I mean, a criticism or a thing I've heard people say for not seeing a movie is this idea that 
like oh, it's all good like it does the movie doesn't matter because it's all gonna be undone by the Flash movie that comes out this summer right I guess which is supposed to be my understanding is that it's supposed to be the sort of DC reboot a little bit because things are, are a little confused just in terms of what the world is in DC and then this, yeah the idea of like you know well, you've got like this Robert Pattinson Batman you've got this Ben Affleck Batman like which one which one is it what's going on like how come how come in 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 Dawn of Justice Batman was a mysterious urban legend and then a year later in Shazam there's Batman action figures and everybody likes them what's going on with this it doesn't does not make sense <laughs> <laughs> no, we couldn't figure that out, but uh, there we are. It does exist. Various other superheroes get referenced. Um, it is, you know, I guess they're both Ant-Man and Shazam are both like the literally the comic uh, comic book heroes in a way. They're, you mm. know, they bring the comedy. Um, yeah, they're sort of they're both sort of lighter characters. Like yeah. sort of you don't you don't, you like you aren't really looking for angst or yeah. ennui from these characters. You know, none of, none of these French words. Would you send people out to see these or watch them on streaming? Um, I mean, I I I told a fr- actually a friend of mine asked me this right because um, I said I, I'd seen the movie I'd, I'd seen both like and like I can't uh, I like. Just to make myself a hypocrite here, saying like you know, but I'd say you like if you if you're watching superhero movies, you should probably see Ant Man. If you if you if, if you're going to see a movie, you should probably just see Ant Man just because it, it matters a little bit more. Yeah, and I really think that getting to know this Kang character is going to be important. I think is or my understanding is that's what it's going to be. Whereas Shazam is much more sort of self-contained and stuff, and like isn't really going to go anywhere, I guess. Mm. Which is ridiculous because, like, I'm so angry that we aren't even addressing like the 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 rock in the room, which is that like you know the Black Adam um, Shazam crossover stuff. But yeah, I would, and but I don't know. I'd say for both of them, like you could probably wait till wait till streaming for both of these movies. I'd say. Yeah, that's, that was the other thing I was going to ask you about because they don't even mention Black Adam in this film. I'm angry about it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but after Dwayne the Rock Johnson put all that effort into getting that movie made and everything, and then. Yeah. Well, because just because, like, you know, especially because Black Adam ends with this Superman um, cameo, and then like two weeks later, Henry Cavill like left the DC filming, you know, left the DC cinematic universe, whatever stuff. So it doesn't even matter. And like, they're obviously. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills that we've got Black Adam <laughs> and Shazam and the movies refuse to be like, oh yeah, no, these are, these guys don't like each other or they do like, or they're in connected in some way, you know, like there's not even like, I don't know, like there's so many little things they could have done, especially in the Shazam movie. Like honestly, one or two little throwaway lines of like, well, what's going on over, you know, in, I forgot the name of the country from Black Adam. What's going on over there? Yeah. You know, someone else is like, like, you should be aware of this other guy or something like that. And just, they didn't do it. And it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't do it. There's like, you know, like, I don't want to get super, or I guess like, I don't know, spoilers for Black Adam, I guess, but like, 
You know, a big like a big twist in Black Adam is just that like him being able to share his powers with family members or being unable to when it leading to tragedy. And you you gotta think that he's not gonna be pleased with Shazam just sharing willy nilly with his family members, yeah. right? Like I don't know. <laughs> but you gotta talk about it. At least, I mean, obviously in the build-up to Marvel's Avengers Endgame, there was this idea that there was this sort of cohesive uh, nature to all the films, that you could sort of work out how they were all related. Mm -hmm. Whereas DC, and of course it's going to change because we're going to get the James Gunn version. Yeah. But DC does seem like it's got all these different pockets going on and they, you know... Yeah, because there's so much stuff, especially with these different hero you know big big hero guy like justice league type guys but then like how does suicide squad fit into it how yeah. does beastmaker fit it you know whatever these other ones that are like oh but like doesn't make doesn't make sense I, I don't know i'm a nerd i want to like i need things to be cohesive you know <laughs> and like and like i think and they should want me to, to be able to do that because then it means that I'm going out to see the rest of the movies, you know. Like, uh, you know, not to be too self-reported here. Yeah. But like, I feel like I'm the base for these movies. You know, I got disposable income. I want to watch superhero movies. They're making it harder for me to do that. <laughs> to, to buy in, you know. At least there was a gag about the Justice Society. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a solid gag. You know, you've got two organizations. Anyway, um, I'm, I felt... I put both of these films a bit like our last two films into the sort of fine category. They were mm, fine. Yeah. Um, and I'm waiting. We've got quite a roster of films this year that we've talked about. I'm waiting for something to give me that connected moment that like No Way Home did mm. uh, or, you know, or, or Endgame or, you know, um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I want something that feels a bit more... Uh, I don't know, human and connected in a way. Mm -hmm. But we'll see, because we've got some more films coming up, haven't we? What's our next ro Our next two we think are going to be... Next up is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I believe. Good, yes, okay, that could be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for those ones. I'm a huge fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. I think I, I remember really vividly, especially the first Guardians film, I said, like, this movie was made in the lab, like, for me specifically. Right. So. Yeah, that was great. I mean, if it's anywhere near as good as the first one, we'll be very happy. Yeah. And then we think we've got The Flash. Yeah, The Flash is coming soon. Um, in That's in, like, July? Maybe right, or July, June or July, yeah. Like, hold on, sorry, I've got them there. Uh, yeah, going to the Galaxy in May... Then oh yeah then then Sp uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse in June ah right like that's a, the start of June then mid June is the Flash then uh, Marvels in uh, July right so the film club may return for Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider Man across the Spider Verse I can't wait for across the Spider Verse maybe that's where I'm going to get my uh, I hope so my, I hope so you yes because I think. I know you and me have talked about this a lot, but um, maybe off mic we have Spider Verse is one of, or in, Into Spider Verse is one of those really like that's a really important movie. I feel like. it's it's just a solidly great movie in every yeah. aspect. It's just yeah, and so you know they've got they've you know be, because of that they've set a high bar for future sequels, and I hope that you know I I would really like them I would really like them to meet the or or exceed previous expectations, you know.
Okay, so uh, there are these there's these two films we've been talking about. They're out there. Let us know what you think. Um, the Film Club will return when we've been to see another two films, yeah. um, unless we get any more listener suggestions in the meantime. Yeah, happy to happy to talk about these movies. Listen, you know, sometimes you read the words and those are okay, but sometimes you watch the movies and that's nicer. You know, you get it done faster because I'm lazy. <laughs> In the meantime, Space Minute 2000, after a sort of brief hiatus, is back. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're plugging our way through the end of 1994. Um, Wilderland's upcoming, big uh, 2000 AD Dredge Magazine crossover, and then into the new year. And the actually, it's the film possibility that that contains. 95, of course, when the Dread movie comes out. And yeah. An exciting time in the progs, I think. Cool. Right. Well, until uh, next time, I've been Eamon. I'm Conrad. And we have been Mega City Film Club. Club.